This is episode 160. Smarter Parenting welcomes you to our podcast series, The Parenting Coach for ADHD. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Well, hello everyone. How are you? I hope everyone is doing well. Thank you for joining me. My name is Siope, and I am one of the hosts here at the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Thank you for joining me wherever you may be. Today's topic is one that I'm very passionate about, and I'm excited to share it with you. I want to talk about how ADHD affects the entire family, how your family may be affected when you have one child with ADHD and you as a parent are trying to navigate those waters. How does that affect siblings? How does that affect parenting as a whole and your perceptions of what parenting should look like or what parenting should be? So this podcast is geared towards you as a parent doing some introspective work where you can evaluate where you are, what you're feeling, what is important to you. So I'm going to cover three specific areas during this podcast. First off, I'm going to talk about the effects to the entire family. I'll share a story of a family that I have been coaching and working with with their permission. I have, however, changed their names in order to keep their privacy. The second topic I want to cover is strategies to help you in dealing with this issue. And then the third thing is how to focus on the positives. Now, this is different than toxic positivity, which is trying to find positives even in circumstances where it may not be appropriate but how to consciously make decisions on how to interact with your children in positive ways in order to bring about the change that you want as a parent. So let's start off with the first topic, which is how does ADHD affect the entire family? Let me introduce you to Allison and Ben and their four children. Their oldest son, Dylan, has been diagnosed with ADHD. Now, they've been coaching with me for a few weeks, so not very long, and I met with Allison and Ben to do an overall wellness check during one of the coaching sessions. I wanted to see where they were emotionally. They reported feeling constantly exhausted, but mostly from Allison because she was the one that was with the children the most. Now, Allison said she was constantly trying to correct and help Dylan with his behaviors in the morning, getting him ready for school, getting him out the door. He would lose a shoe. He would forget to brush his teeth. He'd become distracted. So it started off in the morning where it was difficult for her to really be excited about the morning routine. And so she's already starting at a deficit in the morning. And, you know, when you're starting at a deficit in the morning and you're anticipating that, you never really get good rest. So she's not really sleeping really well, at least when I started asking more questions. She reported, yeah, I don't sleep well because I'm thinking, oh, what's going to go wrong tomorrow? And that just ruminates in her mind while she's there in bed. She doesn't like the morning routine that they have set up, and they called for coaching in order to figure something out for their family. Now, lately, Dylan has been making these really strange noises. So they're almost outbursts in a way where he would either breathe in or breathe out rather loudly. He would, you know, just 
burst out into different words. I asked her if she felt like it was Tourette's, and she said no. I asked her as well if she felt like he was doing it for attention. She said, I'm not sure. So I asked her to go and take him into a pediatrician to you know, evaluate if there's something else is going on. Now, Allison feels like her children are being deceptive because it's difficult for her to deal with her children in the morning. And yet, when she communicates with the teachers at school or with the neighbors, they all report that the children are lovely, even Dylan. Like, Dylan does really well in the school environment, and there doesn't seem to be an issue there. This further exacerbates Allison's feeling of being alone in this and how it's affecting her overall well-being. So we were addressing these issues during our coaching session. I asked Allison to describe more of his behaviors as well. And she said that he interrupts a lot. He likes to talk over people. He seems to constantly need her attention. He needs her attention more than the other children are asking for her attention. She notices that he can't sit still in his chair or do his work without her being there to prompt him all the way along. And she's exhausted because she has things she has to do in the home that she feels like she's consistently babysitting her child. Now, if this sounds familiar and this is something that you are going through as a parent, I want you to know that I do know the exhaustion that you are feeling is real. It's very real. ADHD sucks out the life in the room and affects everyone in the home. Now, it's important to understand that ADHD is, you know, a grouping of symptoms that we have put together to help us understand a behavior. And during my conversation with Allison, it became apparent that she was excusing his behavior because he had been diagnosed with ADHD. And so I confronted her on that and said, you know, ADHD is not an excuse for negative behaviors because there are many people with ADHD who are able to navigate it and do well. It's rather a challenge to overcoming negative behaviors. So excuse versus challenge, we ended up having a conversation about that. And I I think it's important for me to share this conversation with you because I think in a lot of ways, parents may have this belief that, hey, my child has ADHD. That's why they're this way. They use ADHD as an excuse. Now, an excuse by definition is a reason or explanation put forward to defend or justify a fault or offense. So when you're using ADHD as an excuse, it's used to justify the behavior. The difference between excuse and challenge is this. Challenge, by definition, is a task or situation that tests someone's abilities. So your child may have ADHD. They may have symptoms, but the real issue is that this is a challenge for them to overcome. It tests their abilities, and it helps them grow in many ways that they normally wouldn't have to grow if they didn't have ADHD. So when we look at it through that lens, are we viewing ADHD as an excuse or are we viewing it as a challenge? 
This was a wonderful conversation to have with both Ben and Allison because they went back and forth between the two. For Ben, he felt like, hey, this is a challenge that we need to overcome. And for Allison, it was a way to defend or justify the fault of his behaviors. So we had to come to the same agreement on what we viewed ADHD to be. Are we going to use it as an excuse? Or are we going to define it by it being a challenge for their son, Dylan? And we all agreed that it's best to look at it as a challenge. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you may notice that your mind had to do some shifting around. Do you excuse your child's behavior? Or do you accept that, hey, this is a challenge my child is facing and we just need to learn to overcome these challenges? Because the difference in mindset really does set a tone for the parenting that you are trying to do with your child. During the conversation, Allison reported, yeah, that was an aha moment for her. She was able to recognize, hey, this is a challenge. We can overcome this challenge and then move on to other things. Rather than saying, okay, this is your behavior. This is just the way it is. We're just going to excuse it. So a difference between excuse or challenge. What is ADHD? How do you define it in your child as a parent? Now, another thing to consider is that it also affects the siblings in the home. And so we continue to talk about the other three siblings in the home. Now, having a sibling with ADHD can cause the other children to feel anxious about social interactions. They may feel jealousy because one child is getting more attention or seeking more attention. They may become angry because they're required to do just a little bit more. So there's an imbalance there. And with Dylan being the older sibling, it made it even more difficult for the younger siblings who could follow the instructions necessary to move on with their lives where Dylan had a challenge. He was challenged by his inability to focus. So it's important for parents to take stock of what is happening in the home. What are the dynamics between siblings? We went into a discussion about how the other siblings perceive what is happening in the home and how they perceive their parents interacting, how the children interacted with each other, you know, resentments, arguments, when they get along, how they get along, things that help them get along. We reviewed all of these things because ADHD does affect the siblings in the home as well. As I was speaking to Allison and Ben, we became more and more aware of where changes could be made. I asked them both if you could ask your children to do something and they were able to do it on the first try. Which of your children would be able to do that? And they both reported, well, it's the two younger ones. They tend to follow instructions really well. They don't need a a lot of supervision. And this is where we had a further discussion during our coaching session. So I talked to them about this term that is often used, pick your battles. Now, I do agree, we do need to be cautious and careful in choosing what things we are going to draw the line for and address. And there are some things we just have to allowed to let go because everything will be an argument or a fight and nothing ever gets done. So 
we have to do that. However, I like to look at it more as what are the strategies I'm going to implement in order to bring about the change that I want. I think picking your battles is less effective than saying, I'm going to come up with a strategy in order to work out what it is that we need to do in order to get done. So, this leads me to the second point. What are the strategies that can help you? First off, you need to be sure that your child is correctly diagnosed. I mentioned to Allison and to Ben to take their child into their pediatrician to talk about these sudden outbursts. And it's important for you to work closely with your pediatrician about what is happening because there are symptoms of ADHD that manifest, but it may not be ADHD. It may be something else. So be sure that your child is diagnosed correctly. Once your child is diagnosed correctly, it's easier to come up with a treatment plan that will work. Now, talking with your pediatrician about every option that's available for treatment is also something you should do as a parent. That's a strategy that you can implement. Sit down and write your questions out. Pediatricians do not have a lot of time during the visits, if you've noticed. So it's good to go into every interaction with the pediatrician with questions that are already well thought out and a plan of how you are going to work through what you want to do to help your child be successful. Now, in writing this out, this may include having them give input about a behavioral treatment plan. It may include medication management. It may include therapy, having your child go into therapy or parenting courses. Your pediatrician is a source of knowledge that many parents underutilize because they know what's available in your community. So take advantage every time you go to the pediatrician to be prepared to ask the questions that you need answers for. Now be sure that you go into the pediatric visits with documentation. You want to keep a journal of how your child's progressing, things that they've done well as well as areas where it's consistently staying the same or getting worse, okay? There's enough time in between pediatric visits that this documentation that you provide will give your pediatrician a better view of what you are dealing with as a parent. Now, an additional strategy that I gave to Alice and Ben was to do an evaluation on themselves. Evaluate their tolerance levels and the tolerance levels of other people in the home. I would begin by doing a self-assessment and then looking at each family member and their needs and determine what are the needs of everyone in the family. When you're able to do this and do this evaluation, it gives you a better sense of, hey, I can spend less time here and more time here. It's a strategy. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. Now, in the case of Allison, Ben, and Dylan, and their entire family, I coached the children to role-play appropriate ways to communicate with each other. But then, as I met with Allison and Ben, we reviewed the family dynamics. Now, every family is going to be different, but we found that their youngest two children were the most able to make improvements and changes when the parents were giving instruction. 
So the focus then was for mom not to choose her battles, but rather think more strategically in how to approach the children and how to praise them for the positive things they do to reinforce that behavior. Since the younger two were more able to accept instruction and follow through, I asked her to focus in on raising those two younger children to reinforce the relationship and also to help her recognize the good and the children to continue to behave that way. So we use the skill of effective praise. Now, I'm going to give you the steps, and this is the third part, which is focusing on the positives. The steps to effective praise are, number one, you need to show approval. Number two, describe the positive behavior. Number three, give a meaningful reason that's important to your child. And number four, give a reward. Now, the last one, give a reward, is optional. You don't have to give a reward. It's nice to get a reward. Children are motivated by rewards. So, but you can choose not to give the reward if you feel like that will not enhance their ability to really internalize the good things that they are doing. So, with the two younger boys, we role played the following two examples. And I role played this with Allison and Ben. So, when the time came for them, they could do this. We focused on two specific situations where her children were doing things well already. And the reason that we wanted to do this is establish a pattern of having mom and dad recognize these positive things. So the first one was brushing their teeth without having the parents ask them. The two youngest would just go brush their teeth. And the second one was putting their plates into the sink after dinner without having to be asked. I roleplay this with Allison, and we had to write it out so she knew exactly what to say and how to make it work. The first example in brushing your teeth, it sounded like this, and I'm going to go through each of the steps. Number one, show your approval. Great job brushing your teeth without me asking you tonight. Number two, Describe the positive behavior. So I did that with explaining that he brushed his teeth without having to be asked. Number three, give a meaningful reason that's important to the child. This is the example I used with Allison. When you brush your teeth on your own without me asking, it gives you more time on the tablet. So here's your tablet, and now you have more time to do something you like. So we wrote that down, and we role-played it. I role-played it first, being the parent and her being one of the younger children, and that's exactly what I said. It doesn't have to be huge, doesn't have to be elaborate, but it does need to have each of those steps. Show your approval, describe the positive behavior, then give a meaningful reason of why it's important, and then give a reward if optional. Let me give you an example of how quick this can be. So let's say the boys went up to the bathroom, they brushed their teeth, they came downstairs. Then Allison would say, great job brushing your teeth without me asking you tonight. When you brush your teeth on your own without me asking, it gives you more time on the tablet. So here's your tablet, and now you have more time to do something you like. You see how quick that interaction is, and yet it hits all of those four points. So we practice this over and over again to help Allison feel comfortable in giving this type of praise and paying attention to each of those elements of effective praise. 
Now, in the second example we did, it was about putting their plate into the sink. So this is the example as it came out, and we wrote it out. I noticed you took your plate to the sink after dinner without me asking. Thank you. When you take your plate to the sink on your own without me asking, it gives us more time to read a book together. So grab a book and let's read a little bit before you brush your teeth. Sometimes it's very helpful to write this out with the steps so you know exactly what to say and what to fill in. And I highly recommend this for people who are new at using effective praise. So using effective praise with the children who are doing things well does a couple of things. First off, it helps the children be seen, felt seen, and feel connected to the parent, which is important. Second, it encourages them to continue that behavior on their own. And as time goes on, she'll praise them for a week for these things, and then we will change it up to something else that we want them to improve in. Third, it helps the parent also focus in on good things the children are doing. And it also helps them understand the mindset of a child. What is motivating for my child? Now, using effective praise is a helpful way for children to recognize what they are doing well and to focus on it and then build confidence in doing it. This is the skill that I practice with Allison and Ben to practice with the two younger children because we want to continually see good behaviors coming from them and we want to be able to connect with them. Now, there's still a child that uh, has ADHD in the home who's going to demand a lot of attention. But can you see how as we strategically work towards helping other family members, it will affect the entire system? And let me explain how that works in this instance, but also in ways that I've seen in other families. I talked to Allison later, and Allison said that she followed the examples for a week every evening and was amazed at how much she felt better after the interactions with the kids. And by example, the older kids started to notice the younger ones getting praise for these positive things, and they began to do the things that they should do on their own. Now, it's not pointing out and saying, hey, you're doing so much better than your older brother. We weren't doing that at all. What we were doing was focusing in on what are the positive things you are doing, and let's praise those. And it's an individual praise. It's not a comparison of behaviors on who's doing better. But this helped the other children recognize, hey, if I do positive things, then I do get positive praise. So she practiced it. She felt better. She noticed her connection with the younger children were better. And she also noticed the older children starting to make some shifts and doing things on their own. And with their son, Dylan, He would brush his teeth and then come down and report before she could praise him about it, saying, hey, I brushed my teeth, and then waiting for her to praise. Very, very powerful technique, and it's a very strategic way of working with the entire family in order to help everyone in the family feel like they're a part of what's happening. I highly recommend effective praise for any parent because it It's a mind shift. It is a mind shift for you. It's also a mind shift for your children. And it helps in every aspect of how your children 
uh, interact with you. So take the time to learn the skill, write out what you are going to say. You want to initially start with something your child is already doing well and emphasize those things and then change it up. So with Allison, we started with these two examples and then we moved on to getting your school clothes ready the night before. So she would praise them for that. Again, the difficult part of using effective praise is a lot of people feel like is this toxic positivity, which is a deliberate and well-defined technique that really focuses in on, hey, we're just going to praise everything, even if it's super negative, like trying to find the positive in super negative things. No, we're not doing that. What we are doing is we are focusing praise in a way that a child can interpret is helpful in building their self-confidence in doing a task. Now, we've covered quite a bit in this podcast, like we have covered quite a bit. My challenge for you is to begin to implement effective praise. Find two things that you can praise your child for this week during the evening, okay, or in the morning, wherever you think. Write it out and practice it before you start using it choose something that they're able to do. We talked about how this affects the entire family. ADHD does drain energy from parents and from children. I want you to know that I understand the exhaustion that comes from that. Your exhaustion is not made up. It's real. And it's difficult because you're dealing with it over time, consistently chipping away at how you feel. So take some time to do something that will recharge your batteries, even if it's small. A cup of coffee, having a snack. If you notice, I'm always choosing food because that's my comfort. Going for a run, you know, jogging, listening to a podcast, whatever it may be, do something that helps to make you feel connected to yourself and that helps replenish your batteries. And then use the strategies that I had mentioned, including effective praise. Work with your pediatrician, keep a journal, evaluate everyone in the family, their tolerance levels, what does everybody need, and then obviously go back to the effective praise for the positive things your children are doing. If you can find the positive in your child who's struggling with ADHD, that's a huge bonus because as you start to focus in on these positives, you'll start to notice that positive behaviors will start to outweigh the negative behaviors because they want that approval and they want that connection with you. So by focusing on those things and reinforcing them, making them feel more confident in that, the negative behaviors become less and less. There's only so much room in there. And as we start to expand the great things your children are doing, it kind of kicks out some of the negative things that they are doing over time. I've seen it happen a ton of times. It's rather quite amazing how that works with children. So anyways, those are the challenges. Those are the things we've discussed. You know, share this podcast if you can. But my challenge to you is to find two specific ways that you can use effective praise during this next week with your children and do it every night. Write it out, practice it, be prepared, and watch the changes happen. Because it will happen within one week if you do it every night or every morning and you are positive in your interaction with them, I can guarantee you're going to start to feel a difference after a week. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. I'm here. 
I'm hoping the best for you during this time. And especially for parents who are feeling that exhaustion, my heart goes out to you. Just know you have a friend who is doing his very best to try and reach out to you and let you know that we care. And that's it for me for this week. And I will talk to you again in the future. All right, bye.